Well, thank you, Dan, and choir and musicians for leading us so well in worship this morning. If I haven't a chance to wish you personally Happy New Year, let me do that right now. Happy New Year. I hope it's a great one so far. I ran across an article this week where kids were giving life advice to adults. And I thought for the new year, there might be something good for us in this. The first topic they covered was fitness. Gavarella, age seven, gave this advice, run around the backyard like the dog does. He seems like he's in pretty good shape. Charlie, age five, said, just run all the time. Run like there's hot lava behind you. Because then even if you get tired, you'll be like, ah, lava, and you'll just keep running. (laughs) The next topic was nutrition. Logan, who is seven, said, don't do any diets. Just eat healthy stuff without doing anything weird. Definitely don't do the diet where you eat other humans. (laughs) I think that's good advice for probably any year, you know. Just carry that on to 2018. The next topic was long life. Charlie, age five, said, don't cross the street without looking both ways because you get hit by a car and somebody else gets all the candy. (laughs) Why else would you cross the street? Ian, five, said, get a bigger house. If your house is really big, you'll have to walk a long way just to get to the bathroom. That's a lot of exercise. I think people who lived to 100 had to walk up and down the stairs a lot just to go potty. (laughs) On money... Charlie, age five, continued, bury your money in the backyard, but make a map so you remember where the money is, but hide the map so you can't find it, so you don't dig up the money. (laughs) Or just give the map to a friend who has enough money. Aki, age six, said, buy more things that give you back more change. If you have a lot of coins, your pockets will be heavy and you'll think, I'm rich. It's all about having heavy pockets. On stress, the advice from Ian, age five, was go take a walk in the woods. Nature is great because it has birds and Bigfoot. (laughs) There was a long pause, and he said, Bigfoot's not alive, right? (laughs) Finally, some relationship advice that could be helpful this morning. Logan, age seven, said, first, try to underestimate her and say you don't like her and stuff. And the next year, just ask, will you marry me? Gavrila, age seven, said, well, you have to be near her, but also not too near, like medium. Kind of near her, but also not. Go away from her when she wants you to, but also come near her. Sounds like she's got marriage figured out already. (laughs) Charlie, age five, finally, and I hope this resonates with your heart this morning. Don't put a glue stick in her hair. It sounds funny, but she never thinks so. I hope that you can find a nugget of truth in there to live by. I do hope you had a good holiday break. Hopefully you had a couple days off, some time to spend with friends and family. I know that is a treasured time for my family. We love to be together, to relax a bit, to enjoy each other's company. We do a lot of things like play board games, assemble puzzles, sit by the fire, watching Christmas movies. We have three kids, two of which are girls, and so my tea party commitments skyrocket during this time of year. Big hats, white gloves, gaudy sunglasses, feather boas. The girls dress up too, but usually (laughs) 
Just a pretty dress or something. I'm just kidding. Being a daddy to two little girls is the best. We watch a lot of movies, we read a lot of books, especially princess books. One of my girl's favorite princess books is the fairy tale Snow White. Do you remember? Ebony-haired, innocent princess runs from an evil queen into the forest, finds cute animals and seven unique little men living and working in the woods. You remember. One of the pivotal parts of the story is when the evil queen inquires to a magical mirror to infirm that she is indeed the most beautiful in all the land. However, one day she poses the question to the mirror, and this time the reply is different. The queen says, mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? Famed is thy beauty, majesty, but oh, a lovely maid I see. Rags cannot hide her gentle grace. Alas, she is more fair than thee. Alas for her, reveal her name. Her lips blood red, her hair like night, her skin like snow, her name Snow White. Do you remember? It's a classic scene and my girls are captivated by it. As I was thinking over this holiday break and reading this book with my girls, I thought that during a new year, standing on just the other edge of a fresh start, we too often have conversations with the mirror, don't we? Sure, we don't have a magic mirror that we daily talk to in rhyming phrases, but make no mistake, we all have conversations with the mirror. We all pose questions from time to time. Sometimes we wake up and we look up in the mirror and we ask the question, really? You just wanna go back to bed, go back to sleep, pull the covers over your face. Maybe when you wake up, all this is gonna be better, right? <laughs> you've looked in the mirror and you've asked the question, what is, what is that? You've got a new wrinkle, a new blemish, something you haven't seen there before, and a question that I'm asking often now as I get older is, who is that? We all talk to the mirror. We have certain attributes we wanna see in ourselves that we wanna reflect and to be reflected in us and to be fair, we hope that the mirror reflects who we want to be, although it always reflects who we are. I'm curious what you would ask to the mirror this year. I'm curious when you look in the mirror who you want to see. In 2 Corinthians chapter three, the passage that's already been read the Apostle Paul introduces a, a concept that is instrumental, foundational to his whole ministry. It's this idea of the new covenant. He begins to contrast the old covenant, the old Mosaic way and the new covenant under Christ. He compares and he contrasts them. He defends himself in this and tells of how the way under Christ and the new covenant is such greater glory. I want you this morning, as you consider a new year, to consider this new covenant that Paul speaks of. In fact, I want you to consider four words, four words from this passage that concern this new year for you and this new covenant. I believe that if you allow God's word to have free reign in this moment, you allow God's spirit to work in your heart, you'll be open to it, 
I believe that God's word has the power to be transformational in our lives this morning. The first word that I want you to remember, that I want, to, I want you to let rest on you this morning is the word hope. The word hope. Look at verse 12. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech. Paul discussing the new covenant says we have such a hope. Paul's hope was not in himself, but a new covenant, an eternal hope, a certain hope, an unfading hope, a living hope of acceptance of God and a future glory. This idea of hope is common in scripture. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses three through four, listen to the words being written about. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade. That's the kind of hope that Paul is speaking of. When he says, I'm a minister of the new covenant, when he compares the old covenant with the new, he's saying, I have this hope, an eternal hope, a, a certain hope, a, a, a hope purchased through the blood of Jesus Christ. Believe this morning, you and I share this hope found in the redeeming work of Christ in this new covenant. And you know what, you may face 2017 without a lot of things. You may face this year without a job. Who knows what is going to be thrown at you. You may be without a friend. You may be without a loved one. You may be without your hope, but the believer can stand and say and proclaim like Paul under this new hope, this new covenant that I am never without hope. Will you say with me this morning, if you believe that, will you say, I have hope? You ready? I have hope. You know, in this passage, it says that this kind of hope led Paul to a great confidence, a, a boldness, a plainness of speech that aided his ministry, his evangelism. What are you gonna do with this incredible, non-fading, eternal hope that God has built into this new covenant this new year? See, hope, that's a word that I want for you to meditate on this morning, hope. Here's a second word I want you to consider, freedom, freedom. Look at verse 17. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. See, a major result of this new covenant that Paul is speaking with, that he's contrasting with the old covenant, a major result is freedom. Elsewhere, Paul compared these under the old covenant, those who lived under that old covenant to children of slavery and those under the new of children of freedom. The Lord is that spirit. And when sinners turn to Christ, it is through the ministry of the spirit Bible teaches that the spirit gives liberty from spiritual bondage. Paul would tell the Galatians, for freedom Christ has set us free. So stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Freedom, freedom. My kids, I mentioned them earlier, but one thing in years past they loved to do was to pretend they were policemen. 
And what they would do is they would dress up and they had all kinds of costumes they would wear. And my wife and I were always the bad guy and the bad gal. They would pull us up over and tell us we were speeding, right? Or they would ask us what we had done wrong and we would say, you know, well, I didn't turn my blinker on or whatever. They were always like, jail, we're taking you downtown, right? <laughs> it's a great story, yeah? You're like, well, uh, yeah, I forgot to pay my parking ticket. Oh, really? Maximum security prison, all right? We're going, we're doing this. And my kids had handcuffs and they would handcuff us and, you know, they would take us, they would take us downtown. Uh, one thing I realized, though, in the course of playing uh, policemen with them is that the handcuffs they gave me, this, the, you know, the play plastic handcuffs, they had a key for them, which my kids held, but it also has a little button on the side, right? And, and so I would go willingly to prison for not using my blinker, but at the same time, I knew, I knew I was choosing to be captive because the truth was I was free. I could be free anytime I wanted. I just push the button and I, I get out. Under this new covenant that Paul's talking about, for, for the believer, freedom is built in. We're only held captive if we choose captivity over liberty. Because Christ paid for our sins. Christ paid for us to be free. Christ paid for us to not be under the burden of the law. What do you need to be freed from this year? Do you ever feel chained, handcuffed, enslaved? Some of us need to experience freedom from fear. It paralyzes us. It has us held captive. Some from despair. Some from this very idea of legalism, of always working for God's affection when he already loves us. All of us need to be free from sin. And ministers and partakers of this new covenant are to live in freedom because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And freedom, that is a word that I want you to consider this morning. Let the idea of hope rest on your heart today. Let freedom stay in your mind for a moment this morning. The next word I want you to consider that I want you to think about is the word Clarity. Clarity. Let me show you why. Verses 14 through 16 say this. But their minds were hardened. For until this very day at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Do you remember Moses going up on Mount Sinai, he was with the Lord for 40 days, 40 nights. When he came back down off the mountain, he was changed. He physically looked different. The glory of the Lord was emanating from him, illuminating his face. And when he saw the children of Israel, when the Israelites saw him, they were scared. And so, when Moses would go and speak with the Israelites again, he would, he would cover his face, he would veil his face that the glory of God would not scare the Israelites. Paul, so many years later, is, is saying that there are those who, without the new covenant, still have the veil over their minds, their hearts, specifically those things 
The Greek word here is thick-skinned or calloused, covered, spiritual blindness. And it's true, the Bible does say the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit. Before Christ, in the old way, we are not able to discern, to hear from God, to understand His ways. But what Paul is saying is that Christ is an expert in the veil destruction and removal industry. That Christ, when someone turns to him, is taking away that veil. But I want you to consider that another veil is mentioned in Scripture. There was a veil that separated the most holy place in the temple where the high priest could go before God's dwelling place and would offer sacrifices to atone for man's sin. But God sent his son to be the ultimate sacrifice. And when he was crucified to pay our sin debt, the Bible tells us that the veil that separated God and man was rent in two. It was torn and Jesus once and for all atoned for our sins. And so now, Finally, friends, we can go boldly before the throne of God unveiled. He knows our name and calls us child. See, until we are under this new covenant, until we put our faith in Christ, his resurrection, his forgiveness of our sin, then, then we experience this life unveiled. See, see clarity, I want you to consider when you put someone else's glasses on and you can see but it's not quite right, you can't see clearly or when you're listening to the radio or, and you're just one station off and you can hear it but it's garbled. See, the beauty of this new covenant and what Christ accomplished for us is that the veil is taken from our eyes and we can see him and we can behold him as he is. We can know him and go in his presence in a way that wasn't available before. And we can hear his voice in a way that we couldn't hear before. And we now, we now can have clarity because we are no longer veiled because Christ paid the price that we might live unveiled. Clarity, clarity, that's a word that we need to let rest on us this morning. The new covenant gives hope, freedom, clarity, and finally, I want you to consider another word, and that's transformation. Verse 18, would you look at it with me? But we all with unveiled face Beholding as in a mirror the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. See, Paul illustrates this meaning of sanctification or growing in Christ, being set apart for his use of being transformed. And when God's people fix their gaze on him, his word, his work, and see the glory of God, the spirit of God transforms us to be like the son of God. This position we have in Christ, those living under this new covenant, this different way, truly share a glorious position. My dad and I were talking the other day about one of our relatives he had gone to run an errand. He was going to the bank. He went to walk into the bank and he noticed that actually his dad was there. He thought that was very bizarre that his dad 
um, was there in town and he went to go talk to him and was approaching the bank and he realized as he got closer and reached for the door that the glass was mirrored on the side of the bank and he was looking at himself. That's a true story. Have you done that? As you get older, you see a bit of family likeness as we grow, as we progress, as God's spirit changes us, we begin to be transformed. We begin to bear the likeness of the family of God. See, Moses went up, and this is what Paul was talking about in the old covenant. Moses went up Mount Sinai, and there he met with God. He was in his presence and he was transfigured. The word also means or transformed, but in the new covenant, God came down to us through the person of Jesus Christ. He paid for our sins. He gives us an eternal, unfading, unchanging hope. He paid for our sins that we could be free and we have a veil that is removed on our hearts that we can see clearly. And like Moses, when he was in God's presence, he was changed. And we too cannot go in God's presence without being changed. With unveiled eyes, we behold our God. His son, his word, with unveiled hearts, we invite his spirit to change us, to transform us into his image. What if we heard in 2017, we looked a bit like our heavenly father just around the eyes because we began to see as he does? What if our hearts were broken for what broke his and that was evidence of his spirit working in our hearts? What if our hands bore the scars of sacrifice for others like the sacrifice and scars of his son? Have you ever considered what whatever we behold is what we become beholden to? What are we gazing at, staring into those are the things that we reflect. What are you beholding? In the heart of every believer is the desire to change, to, to be transformed, to grow, to be more like Christ. Why don't you fix your eyes upon him? His gospel, his word, his glory, the work of his son in this new covenant. You will be, you will be transformed what if we covenanted with God in 2017 to have a fresh awareness of this new covenant Paul speaks of what if we lived with hope with freedom with clarity transformed this year see we aren't just partakers of this new covenant we like Paul are ministers of this new covenant it is a covenant that we are to carry with us. Name me one person in your life. Name me one person that you'll come across that doesn't need the hope, the freedom, the clarity, the transformation that only Christ can give. God wants you to carry 
that covenant with you. What I'm saying is maybe, maybe our conversations with the mirror can be different this year. Maybe we'll say something like, mirror, mirror on the wall, I've seen the fairest of them all. With a clear heart and eyes unveiled, his hope and freedom I've beheld. He gave his life and the veil was torn. And now he calls me to a life transformed. So mirror, mirror, this year may I see more of him and less of me. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, as we read this passage and we consider the work that Paul did and the claims that he made and the greater glory of the new covenant and how through the work of your spirit you are changing us when we behold your glory. God, we don't want to go another year unchanged. God, truly, we want to behold you. We want to behold the work of your son and your word. We want to let it fill our hearts and minds. God, we truly want to live by your grace through your spirit transformed. So Lord, we pray and we ask these things. We covenant with you in the name of Jesus Christ.